1: Let's begin.
0: Welcome, everybody. It's Monday, September 27th, 2021. So glad to have you listening in on this podcast. Again, this podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals. We're so grateful to have you as our listener. We are committed to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. And we're excited about this podcast as we are each and every one of them. We've got a lot of great information that's coming up. And uh, we have in our special hot topic segment today, Rick Toma will be joining us, Chief Operating Officer at the Money Source, the other TMS that's out there. We love teasing each other about that. Which one's first, which one's out there. But it's a TMS, as they're commonly referred to as we get confused because Transformational Mortgage Solutions and the Money Source both operating with TMS. But we're just so honored to have. Rick sharing with us some things. We're talking about compliance management systems, which is obviously one of Alice's favorite topics. And then we've also joining on the microphone again this week. So excited to have him back is Jack Nunnery, recently retired from Texas Capital Bank and now out there in the world giving back. And so we're thrilled to have him joining us on the microphone today as well. So stay tuned for the Hot Topic segment with Rick Toma, Chief Operating Officer of The Money Source, and talking about some really important stuff. What's going on? I'm going to go over in the area of servicing, too. So those of you who have servicing portfolios looking at that, we're also going to branch into some other areas. But we're so thrilled to be a part of the Industry Syndicate. We have uh, our podcast featured on the Industry Syndicate, and we are excited to have you check out all the podcasts for one of the first podcast in the industry, That's Dave Savage, mortgage coach. So we're thrilled to have you here. So be a part of them. I also want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, the Mortgage Bankers Association of America, as well as Nastra's Fusion Mortgage Bot Solution, which is a great solution. It helps create a personalized path to the mortgage process. Check out what they're doing over there. The new releases on the technology, be sure to check them out. I had a great conference call with them this last week. A lot of exciting things going on there at the Nastra. Check out our website. Click it on lending and as the sponsorship as well as check out some of the news releases on their website. Also a special thank you to Lenders One. Great to have them as a sponsor, as well as the Mortgage Collaborative. Both of these co ops do a great job of helping you get up close and personal with other vendors and lenders of your size. I enjoy about this, the collaborative nature of both of these co-ops and how they support their members in that. Also, Community Mortgage Lenders of America, they do a great job of having our voice, especially independent mortgage bankers voice heard on the Hill, as well as Incelerate. Josh Friend has a great technology, leading edge technology and mortgage expertise and pre-designed campaigns that come together to enhance the power engagement you got to pay attention to what webinar that he just did last week. Very, very good. Also, Knowledge Coop Ken Perry, has a great learning management system, as well as Mobility MMI, as well as Modex. These two companies, Mobility MMI and Modex, have a great technology as far as how to recruit right people into your company and also get optics what's going on in the real estate side of the business, which realtors are really doing their volume, and where should you be focusing your efforts. Then finally, our newest sponsor, SnapDocs. So great to have them as a sponsor. Amy Moses and the team have some exciting things going on. We had the interview just recently, and check out that interview that we had with SnapDocs. And I'm sure to check them out at the conference as well. Finally, I want to say a special thank you to Rob, Les, Alan, and Alice, and Matt for their contributions each week to our podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Looking on Lending Hot Topic segment. We have as our special guest today, Rick Toma. Chief Operating Officer with the Money Store, TMS. We're excited to be talking about some topics that the Money Source has been focusing on, and I thought it would be very good to get that off.
1: So, Rick, Toma, good to have you here, sir. Appreciate it. David, thank you uh, so much. And just chomping at the bit to get into this dialogue. And here we stand on the eve of the fourth quarter of 2021. Mm. Just amazing how the the calendar has flipped. Boy, not only has it flipped. Is flipping
0: faster than ever? But also, we're dealing with new things uh, such as LAP, Language Access Programs. I wanted to have you start off the podcast talking about your perspective, what's going on there, especially in light of HR Bill 3009, amending TILA, Truth and Lending, and also the Real Estate, the RESPA, Real Estate Procedures Act of 1974. So, I was hard to believe I was in the industry before RESPA. So anyway, what are your thoughts? What's going
1: on there in the world of LAP or language access programs? No, thank you. And that last comment, I resemble very much as well. So uh, I feel like I'm in good company with you here. So uh, this H.R. Bill uh, 3009, not to get like technical about it. So I'll put it in this term. It's really drawing a line in the sand and whether or not it even passes It opens the door and potentially from a CFPB perspective, doing without legislation what they can do of being able to meet the borrower, the customer, engaging with them in their language of preference. And so again, it's like, wow, that sounds like that's a pretty heavy lift. Is that some type of draconian ask and things like that? And I would say just the opposite. I think we see this coming. And regardless of our business, you may be a telecommunications provider with Verizon or even within something as simple as, I shouldn't say simple, but in ordering fast food, that the ability to identify and engage that customer, and in our world, that would be the borrower, whether it's origination or 15 years into servicing their loan, meeting them where they are and speaking to them in the language of their preference. Heavy lift? Absolutely. Is it a regulatory requirement? Not yet. Is it something we should be prepared for regardless? I think we should view this as a business opportunity and not as a Oh, gosh, another have to, if that makes sense.
0: And that's one of the reasons I'm such a fan of the the money store, especially when it comes to the way you guys manage your servicing. This is going to hit servicers, and I wanted you to talk about it. How are you preparing at the money source, TMS, for how this is going to impact or could impact you on the servicing front? Because you have more dialogue going over a longer, protracted period of time as the servicer, acting as an agent for the servicer of record. And how are you going to be preparing for this?
1: So it's identifying truly Every point of contact that we have with that customer, with that borrower, that is from verbal telecommunication, through website, through web app, through even, as we know, we say we're paperless, but every letter that is sent on good old-fashioned carbon-based paper, and that should not be something new. Right now, as a servicer and a subservicer, we all should know every single Point of contact, every touch point, every single touch point. And then from there, being able to really pivot. And again, as I hear myself speak, it's like, gosh, this sounds crazy. But the ability to, whether that language preference is mug or Russian or some dialect of Chinese, of being able to pivot immediately. And meet that borrower where they so choose. So again, it's one, the identification of those touch points. If that has not been done, then absolutely that would be a starting place for anyone, whether loan originator or loan servicer, subservicer that's out there.
0: Jack, servicing a near and dear topic to you, and I know you just recently retired. This is another area that you guys were looking at. Your thoughts on this? How you see what some of the changes, anticipating the changes, even though this is not yet law, but it anticipated. Your point, I think, is well taken, Rick. That this is a business opportunity, whether it is law or not. So, Jack, how do you see this?
2: Well, I think what Rick and the Money Source are really embracing right now is enhancing the consumer experience in the area of servicing, right? How many times have you heard a consumer say, well, I'm going to do my loan with XYZ Mortgage Company because I really liked the servicing experience and how they serviced my loan over the last couple of years? Never, never, David. If you have the ability through the, the language program to make a difference with the servicing experience that the consumer receives whether or not you're the master servicer and servicer of record or, or you're just the master servicer, want to win because the retention rates that we see are typically very low in the industry. And if we can use or leverage technology in the servicing area to create a unique experience for the consumer with the subservicer or the servicer and create a, a goodwill conundrum with the consumer, I think it's an excellent win, and I applaud where Rick is going with this because at the end of the day, we are a referral business. We are a business that has been challenged with low retention numbers, and I see what the money source is doing, and at the very tail end of the process, they're creating a very warm, comfortable, and memorable service experience for the consumer, which I think really paves the way. When your retention call center calls that consumer and says, can we help you refinance or can we help you with your next loan, David?
3: Alice,
0: your thoughts on H.R. 3009.
3: So, Rick, I'd love to understand a little bit of how this is different than where we are today, right? So, today, our understanding of it is if I offer a language at application – then I also need to make sure I can carry that customer through that whole journey, even through servicing if I'm a servicer. So to your point about knowing every point of contact, I'd love to get your thoughts on how is this going to be different based on this bill? And then a second question is dialects, right? If you say to somebody, I do documents in Spanish. Well, I know our Spanish-speaking loan officers and customers will say, wait a minute, that depends where you're from, right? (laughs) You can't just say Spanish necessarily. So I'd love to get your thoughts on the law, and then a little bit on implementation with dialect.
1: Absolutely. And so, like currently, we offer translation services, and interestingly enough, so last week in our call center in Meriden, uh, Connecticut, our East Coast center, and with that, just sitting in the queues with the team members, and overheard that the offer of being able to transfer to our translation service, so immediately plugged in to listen to how this transpired. And so our team member working with the translation service with the customer, and it was Russian. And what was interesting is as I listened to this, and again, not knowing Russian at all, but just finding it so fascinating that even words that we think now are universal and at Google.com, I think that's a universal. Now, I'm not even sure that's a word, but it has universal (laughs) uh, applicability and it's like, wow, that did not even translate to what I thought it was going to in the course of the email. So again, phenomenal conversation, great experience. However, when the phone call ended, everything else going to that borrower is going to be in English, except for that one translated phone call. And so again, it's Herculean. It is huge, but the ability to engage and interact with the borrower into uh, the comment regarding dialects and things like that down to that level of detail. And again, I want to be really clear, it's not because it's a have to, it's because it's a want to. Because as we think of all of our diversity and inclusion programs, not just internally within the organization, but as the outreach to our borrowers It's like, yeah, diversity and inclusion, yet I can't speak to you in your language of preference, that rings a little bit hollow, not just to me, but I think just in general to the industry. So, again, it's something to not be afraid of, but knowing it's going to be a a tremendous amount of work, but going into it with the desire of wanting to be inclusive and engaging.
0: Yeah, I think it's a great point. And are you finding there's technology out there that can help you with this? How are you approaching
1: this? Absolutely. So there are cottage industries, if you will, uh, not just associated with our industry of uh, mortgage banking and finance, but in general as well. Because again, it's one thing to translate verbally, like we're having this conversation right here, and then it's another thing to ensure That one's letters, and again, I know we all have libraries of letters, hundreds, if not thousands of them. And it is one thing to make sure they're even correct in English and meet the uh, other requirements, but then now being able to offer that in a one off. It may just be one time that this is needed, but that one time is just as important as the tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of times. It's needed in English. So, yes, there are some firms that are out there right now. And in particular, I would say being able to reach out to MBA, where they are definitely on the forefront of this as well, and vetting those types of firms that are specific to our business. Yeah.
0: I think it's really interesting that you bring this up because it's a, this whole topic is one where I'm looking at what technology is out there as we deal more and more. I mean, here in Texas, we have a lot of Hispanic community. I don't speak Spanish yet. i have more than those languages I'd love to learn. But the app, and Microsoft has a great translator app, and you can switch it where you're holding the phone, and you're both speaking into it, and you just tap, and you can almost get to that point. If we're doing this on our cell phones, there's got to be technology that's developing so that as we're having a conversation, it can almost, in real time, translate that. And I think there's going to be a real opportunity for that. And I was just wondering if you've seen anything like that out there. So
1: the one that i um, looking at my notes here, and this is just most recently from MBA. So I believe I have this correct. And this was when um, a couple of weeks ago in DC at the regulatory and compliance conference. Mm-hmm. So don't hold me to this one to do my best from some chicken scratch notes, but Jay, D Supra is one of the firms that was mentioned by a panel specifically with regards to our arena here in mortgage banking. Oh, interesting.
0: Okay. Let's move into what is often the broad topic of compliance management systems. You talk about when we were preparing for this podcast about a refresh or a reboot, and it was related to QIV planning for 2022. Talk about that, please.
1: So I think one thing within the three lines of defense, and especially as, and I always kind of put the little slash of servicer, subservicer, that as new clients come on board, so again, the client who is choosing to work with a new subservicer, that Equally as important to the loan boarding process. In a parallel track and equal to that track is the QC, and some refer to it as QA, that that client will be doing on the subservicer. And so the sense of it shouldn't be an afterthought. We at TMS welcome that opportunity to work with, whether it's in-house with the partner, with the client, or if it's a third party, like, for example, through Tenna. But again, as those loans on board, then equally that we have already set up the process for them to be conducting their quality assurance, quality control on our performance and ensuring it's transparent, it's real time. And I think... Equally as important is that there are action plans which are tangible and then tested as well. So I think it's not technical per se, but it's not something typically in client presentations where it's like, oh, who do you use? And we would expect that within 30 days of transition that we would be live with you, but it's critically important for us so that we can be better every day, but equally as important for really the client to ensure that their customers, their transactions are being really high-touched, if that makes sense. That does make sense.
0: When you talk about planning for the future, any best practices that you as an industry leader are following
1: or adopting? So yes, and going back to the three lines of defense. So within TMS, but within each of our respective firms, organizations, that first line of defense is critical. And again, I'll define that first line as living in the operations. So that would be the control reports that are used on a daily basis. And the ability to take any type of finding, whether it's from QC or even from a, when I say a third party, a different type of third party, such as a state audit, something like that, and ensure that there is no repeat findings. And how do you ensure that happens is just test, test, and test. And then in the second line of defense, again, that would be your own internal QC that you would do on your transactions, not so much on the processes, but really at the transactional level. And then if you have any type of compliance testing separate and distinct from your QC and here at TMS, we call it SWAT. And so they go in, they have a quarterly annual calendar, but they're nimble enough that, again, if I read something in the headlines today, needed them to test, that immediately they're able to do that. So really the takeaway from that is having a function that can, again, test but be very nimble. And then really with that third line from an internal audit, one aspect is check the checkers who are checking. So really going back and having their independent testing calendar, but on top of that, ensuring what is being tested in the other lines of defense, that there is really tests on that as well. So a tremendous amount of testing, corrective action plans, and then ensuring that what you said got fixed in fact was the right fix and then secondly it stuck. Very good. Alice.
3: It sounds great, Rick. It sounds really detailed where your customers must have a lot of confidence in the work that you all are doing. Question is as for your customer base then they must have a lot of visibility into all that you're doing. I'm assuming there's reporting and your customers get to see all of this going on.
1: So correct. So our Software, that, and it's a wrap when I say software, so our core is MSP through Black Knight, but yet we have a wrap around that, which is very transparent. So as a client, if this conversation right now is being recorded, that as a client, I can tap in and listen to that, which is pretty earth-shattering when you think about that, but from a very positive perspective. Because typically within the industry, it's like, I'd like to listen to some calls tonight. And so maybe a couple dozen calls come over whether they were randomly selected or not. But again, one aspect of our SIMI, and again, that servicing intelligence made easy, is for that client to be able to listen directly to that engagement with the customer. And what's fascinating about that, because again, we do a tremendous amount of call monitoring. Alice, if you were just listening to calls, having a cup of coffee, you want to listen to some calls and things like that. And if there's a challenge, an issue, you may know it before we do as the client and being able to reach back out to us. So again, it's that level of transparency. So that one aspect is that customer engagement. So we absolutely have to be 100% all the time on every call. And then another aspect to Simi is just really all of the documentation and whether that's waterfalls within forbearance and letters and call letter, whatever it may be. And it's interesting because we have opened up Simi uh, to auditors. It makes it a much easier process because, again, as we know, I may have, I don't know, five or six Oklahoma exams going on simultaneously based on my client base. And so client gets their uh, letter that, oh, I'm being audited by state of Nevada and not necessarily the gotcha audit, just simply they got funded in Nevada and now they put forth their other uh, calendar for reviews. And so for that client, like immediately it's like, well, you can self service and go in and get every single document that you need, or we can do it on your behalf. Or a third option is why don't we just let the auditor do it themselves and have added. So again, the ability to meet whomever, and let's think of it this case, the auditor as the customer, what do they need, as well as how can they make us better? So we're not hung up in the process and the challenges, the back and forth and things like that. Let's immediately share what we have with them so that, again, as they go through, And if there is something we need to improve upon, we can really burn our powder
2: there and not so much on the process. Jack, anything? Well, I would like to ask Rick. Now, SEMI was an internal bill by the money source. Am I correct, Rick? That's correct, Jack, yes. Yeah, we were watching over your shoulder as you were constructing that excellent wrap that you put on to MSP, excellent wrap.
0: Yeah. In fact, I want to say this, Rick, we bring clients in to do due diligence on the subservicer. And so we've been in your office and I've seen that. Any listeners out there considering going into servicing, you've got to take a look at what CME is. The Servicing intelligent Made Easy Pro Platform, it is just so intelligent that the time and energy went into it. A lot of people say, should I bring my servicing in-house or should I have it done by a third party? Man, this when you look at the kind of things that you've invested in there at TMS, it's just such a compelling reason why you need to outsource that out to a third party, and TMS does such an outstanding job. We have so many of our clients that are pleased with what they're getting from you. So kudos to you. Let's let's move on. So how are you implementing the Regulation X and the risks related to UDAP?
1: Yeah, so all good. I think the challenge here, and I'd love to hear Alice's comments on this as well, because the, the tie between the REG and UDAP, and this is somewhat of a, maybe a strong comment, a little bit, Dave, a little bit of a snark in there as well, that UDAP is like a lazy person's ability really to seek out and find deficiencies. And from a CFPB perspective, just the sense of, I can always fall back on UDAP, and so with the sense of having even every I-dotted T-cross from the implementation of the temporary, it expires January 1st, 2022, that what if I lose sleep uh, at night over anything, it's like, how can like UDAP be wrapped into this? And unfortunately, I think from a gotcha perspective with that. So, again, Alice, would love to get your thoughts because, again, there's some muddied waters out there for sure.
3: Well, for I sure. think, Rick, if you're talking about something as basic as how are the conversations held, right? In the yep. servicing world, you're having lots of conversations with customers and did I say something that could be taken wrong by our loan originator audience? They live this too. It's the same yes. types of risk, but not the same kind of exposure because in servicing, your conversations are documented and you were alluding to record it. So I think a lot of it is boils down to, and I'm going to say my side of it is, is training and making sure people understand where those boundaries are and, so that you can sleep better. We want you to be able to sleep at night, Rick.
1: I think one aspect to this as well, it goes back actually to the very top of the call today, talking about culture. And I will even the playing field that with my peers that are out there in the industry, that we all have a culture of compliance. But yet, I often think that that culture of compliance is one-dimensional and by that is I'm a legal reviewer and I have a checklist of 10 items and I go through my checklist and bing, 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 everything checks out. That's great. And I've done some writing on this and speaking is that in order to breathe life into that culture of compliance, you then have to have a culture of care. And that culture of care is just always doing the right thing all the time. And that's different from a checklist. That's much, much different from a compliance checklist. That's the ability of any team member, if you think of it as a conveyor belt, to hit the stop button and to raise their hand and say, everything checked out on this. But there just is still something. I'm not sure what it can be, if there is even something there. But I'm raising my hand just to say, can I get an extra set of eyes on this? And so maybe nothing at all, or it absolutely could be something. But the sense of empowering the team member to go beyond really that checklist, that policy and procedure, because, again, we all have those. And then taking it to that level of a culture of care. And so I think oftentimes those are disassociated. It's like, oh, we've got this great culture of compliance. And it's like, yeah, but do you care? And so again, they shouldn't be bifurcated. They absolutely should be just intermeshed, interwoven, one in the same.
3: Well, what I love about that is that by having that care aspect, that really, then your customers will feel that and you're less likely to then have a customer who has a problem with that, right? Because if they're feeling that sense of caring coming from the person on the other side of the phone, you can usually work things out.
1: Yeah. And with that as well, it's like, gosh, do you get complaints? And it's like, well, yes. And it's like, how in the world did I get a complaint? And the sense of really... Thinking of that customer, if you will, uh, maybe, uh, this may be a leap here, but uh, this is how I view it, as an audit, very just de facto auditor that did that customer by reaching out based on something with their escrow and how taxes are assessed and paid in Maricopa County, Arizona. Is that, so again, rare if probably never that we get a complaint on someone having a bad day and not speaking in a very positive way, engaging, again, that borrower, that customer. But a complaint of like, yeah, I think there something looks a little funny here with my escrow. So again, taking that complaint and really peeling back the layers and what is the root cause? And then based on that root cause to, again, have a very strong corrective action plan and then test to it. So, again, when a complaint comes in, and I'd share this with all listeners, that if it is just treated as an isolated individual versus an opportunity that, huh, did someone find a chink in the armor that through all of our testing and even like all of the third parties – 50 states and the District of Columbia and Puerto Rico that they were not able to locate that maybe somebody did. And I'm not saying, like, does it explode into a bigger issue? No. But look at the root cause and then apply a very strong corrective action plan to it.
0: So as you're looking at all the the changing landscape, regulatory or just the changing environment, how do you at TMS, as the COO, prioritize And adjust to all the things coming at our industry.
1: So, we have a a very structured planning process, and this is not necessarily giving away the recipe to the secret sauce. So, we've already begun our 2022 planning as well as any change that we would want to our three and our five year plan. And then on a quarterly basis, we then take what we would call like a RAW. and each quarter we review our annual actions, the action plan, initiatives that we want to do, and ensure that we're on track, and then in a three-month period from, you know, prior quarter, so as I shared earlier, we're coming up to the end of this quarter, do we need to make any adjustments? now? If some of these outside influences are immediate, do not wait for a quarter to have dialogue on that. But then on a weekly basis with key leaders, are we meeting those quarterly goals? What do we need to adjust? And then it's not just the key leaders, but it's like every single team member has a KPI, Key Performance Indicator. So whether it's mailroom or boardroom, Every single team member knows exactly what is expected of them on a daily basis. So did I achieve this, which helps move the company goal forward? And then on a monthly basis, there is that dialogue up and down the leadership chain to adjust accordingly or like, no, we are on track. They just really took prioritization that you plan well in advance. And then two, you have to be deliberate. And that's like, can't emphasize that enough on those priorities that you set. It can't just be set and leave, put it in the oven and come back mm-hmm. for an hour to see if it's uh, baked. It's ongoing daily that again, Each individual knows what they need to do to contribute, and then both monthly and quarterly that there's dialogue, and I like to say energized dialogue. Other people may say heated dialogue, (laughs) but somewhere in between, we're hitting this and what we need to potentially adjust due to outside factors. So again, plan well in advance, and then just be deliberate on tracking, tracking, tracking. That's good.
0: Jack Nuttery, you remember when you and I were working together, you had me come in and help you build out the uh, correspondent lending division. Do you remember that one thing that you said that says, Dave, it's a NASCAR expression. If you ain't rubbing, you ain't racing. I'll never forget that, Jack Nuttery. It's such a great book. <laughs> it really goes to what you were just saying, Rick, is, I mean, heated discussion. Sometimes some of the best ideas come out of that, and I, I just celebrate that. But, Jack, you fostered that culture there for sure.
2: So just a quick comment, that first line of defense really makes what Rick has talked about become a reality inside of your organization.
0: Yeah, It's a challenge. So looking at all the regulations and how to, to the first lines of defense, um, you raise up really some great points here. Getting a lot of feedback from our listeners. This market is ch- rapidly changing. Money source is clearly a leader. Love the fact that you had Rick on to talk about how he's focusing on these things. Would like to have him back to talk more about specifically X and Z and some of the implementations that you're doing through. There are a lot of deep comments, a lot of compliance people because of Alice's on the podcast as we get a lot of listeners around those topics. Rick, it's good to have you. We want to definitely have you back. I want to just encourage our listeners, if you're looking to get into servicing, uh, you definitely want to get a hold of the money source. Rick, I compliment you and your organization for a culture of care because it's very clear of how you listen to your people and how you have developed an attitude where you can bring forth ideas in a way that is, and even in a heated manner at times, uh, and you've fostered that, and you've managed through that so well there at TMS, and I just applaud you and the way you have, the leadership you have brought to this organization, and what a an outstanding job you're doing for on behalf of many of our clients and uh, mm-hmm. for the industry. appreciate you as a leader. No,
1: thank you very much. Would love to come back, and I promise you I can could- absolutely wonk out on any policy that you would like. So, Well, I think that's one of the signs of a
0: leader they're willing to share. And that's what TMS is so much about is I was so impressed with the level of transparency about when we were on site there in your offices in Phoenix with how you're approaching the business and just opening up. And it was just refreshing. So many of the companies have talked about this is the hallmark. The defining point that reason they went with TMS as the subservice is because of the transparency that you bring. So, doing a great job, Rick. Keep up the excellent work. We're thrilled to have a great partnership with you and uh, want to continue that. Love to have you back. Rick, thank you so much. Continued success to you and your company. And we'll look forward to having you back, sir.
1: Thanks again for having me. Take care.
0: You bet. So good. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, Finastra, CMLA, Lenders One, and Mobility. Mortgage Market Intelligence, MODEX, the MBA, Knowledge Coop, SnapDocs, and the Mortgage Collaborative. We're going to have Finastra. Karen Jenkins will be here as our special guest next week on with Finastra. You'll be excited about that conversation. we are talking about some of the things and initiatives that Finastra has underway, as well as their focus as a leader in the world of technology fintech. So be sure to come back here next week. Folks, thank you so much for being here, listening. Jack, thank you so much for joining in again. Need to make this a habit. Appreciate your commentary. And listeners, thank you for taking time to listen. Have a great rest of your week and look forward to having you back here next week.
1: You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin, of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week and thanks for listening.